amen. Just go ahead, turn around, grab your Bible, and remain standing. Psalm is where we are going to be. Psalm 100. And we're going to do, th- do, uh, do things a little bit different tonight. The 100th Psalm. 100th Psalm. And once you find it, I would say go ahead and stand in reverence to God's word, but you already are. So the 100th Psalm. You can begin reading in verse number one of the 100th Psalm. And I would ask you if you do this, would you read it with me? We're going to read the entire Psalm tonight. Remember, this is actually how they were sung in the Old Testament. Um, We'll not add a tune, however. So if you would just read it with me, beginning in verse number one, says, I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing out loud, please read it with me out loud. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I'm reading the wrong one. No wonder you stopped. You're like, pastor is using a different version of the Bible. All right, just testing you. You guys passed. That's great. We can go home now. (laughs) All right, Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. There you go. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Great job. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the promises that are found with it within your word. Lord, the encouragement and Lord, also the brutal honesty. Father, I pray that you would just bless the preaching of your word tonight. Lord, may we honor you in all that is said and done here. And we thank you in Jesus name. Amen. All right. You may be seated. The book of Psalms is a most unique book. It is the songbook for God's people. It's a collection of 150 psalms, which makes it by far the largest book in the Bible. The literal meaning of the word psalm is a poem set to notes. So the book of Psalms is literally a collection of songs that were sung in the congregation. Unlike songs that are written today, the book of Psalms is more than just a collection of morale-boosting, mood-setting songs that tugged at the emotional strings of the listeners. Now, the book of Psalms is filled with doctrine. It is filled with instruction. It's also filled with encouragement. It contains doctrine, prophecy, revelation, and instruction on worship. I want you to notice just a few of the New Testament references to the book of Psalms that states that the Psalms is Scripture. Jesus refers to the prophecies about himself in the book of Psalms in Luke chapter 24, verse number 44. Matter of fact, let's go to the New Testament. Keep your finger here in the book of Psalms, but I just want to show you how unique the book of Psalms is. In the book of Luke chapter 
24, Luke chapter 24 and verse number 44. Luke chapter 24 and in verse number 44. Luke chapter 24, and I'll try to get to the right place this time. Luke chapter 24 and verse number 44. The word of God says that he said unto them, Jesus said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. In uh, John chapter 13, John chapter 13, this is a reference to Psalm chapter 41, verse number 9, the 41st Psalm. But John chapter 13, John chapter 13 And beginning in verse number 18, John chapter 13, verse number 18. Jesus says, ye call me master and Lord, and ye say, well, for so I am. If I then, your, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong verse again. My word. I speak not of you all, verse number 18. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you, therefore, uh, now I tell you before it come that when it is come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. And so we see a reference in verse number 18 and 19 in particular there to the psalmist talking about this very thing that uh, the person that eats bread with him is going to lift up his heel against him. The apostles, they also referred to the psalms taking a lesson from Jesus' playbook. And there's many times, but we're just going to look at Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 13 And in verse number 33, Acts chapter 13, and in verse number 33, the Bible says in Acts 13, verse 33, that God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And so we just looked at those, just just as a, Uh, as a reminder of how unique the book of Psalms is. Psalm is a very unique songbook. Because of our modern conception and examples of songs, we have kind of brushed aside the, uh, the book of Psalms. Christ and his apostles considered a very important portion of Scripture, and I think that we should too. So getting back to Psalms 100, I, I wanted to do something a little bit different tonight wanted to learn from the lesson that it gives concerning worship. Psalm 100 is certainly instruction on worship. And I wanted to use the word praise as an acronym tonight. And I know how much you love those acronyms. You love to take notes and write them down. And some of us like to guess what the next uh, letter and what the next word is actually going to be. But we're going to take the word praise and using the outline we have here in the 100th Psalm and use it as an acronym or as an outline for us tonight. And the first thing that we learn about true praise, true biblical praise and worship in verse number one is that it ought to be positive. 
Well, when it comes to praising God, it ought to be positive. Make what kind of noise unto the Lord? A murmuring noise? A complaining noise? No, the Bible says a joyful noise is the kind that we are to make unto the Lord. You know, it goes without saying that Christians ought to be among the most positive people on this planet. Not just among the most positive, they ought to be the most positive people on the planet because we've got so much to be positive for. This isn't it, and aren't you glad? You know that old term, you only live, uh, you only live once, and so uh, you just got to drink up all of life that you can. You got to experience everything that you can. Well, I'm here to tell you there's a lot of things we don't have to experience and shouldn't experience, but we're not going to miss out because this is just a blip on the screen of our lives. This life here is a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away, but we get to live with the Lord forever. And so no matter what, as we learned this morning, God's always working behind the scenes. God is always in control, which is why we need to be constantly reminding ourselves, God's in control. Man, look at the mess around us. Yes, but God's in control. But look at all of the sin. Where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. God is in control. And with that, we ought to be positive. We ought to be able to make a joyful noise. You know, it's uh, interesting because we've all known those Christians that are experts at complaining. And they complain about the... Uh, the, the state of the world and the state of the nation. And it almost sounds like that's, that's uh, spiritual because, wow, they're just so aware of all the sin around us and all the bad things. and Well, it's true, but it ought to just make us that much more positive. Because, you know, when God's children are faced with the Red Sea in front of them and the army behind them, It just gives God an opportunity to work his magic and to perform miracles that we can be in awe and say, oh, the Lord is good. The Lord is powerful. All noise we make about God should be joyful, positive, and informative. Psalm 107 and in verse number 2 The word of God says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Man, no matter what, guess what? I'm saved. Regardless of of the future, regardless of what happens tomorrow, I'm saved today. And I'll still be saved tomorrow. I'm a child of God today. And tomorrow I may wake up and the price of gas is $10 a gallon. And uh, that's within the realm of possibility, if you know what has happened within the last week. But guess what? I'm still a child of the king. I'm still a child of God. So let the redeemed not complain. Let the redeemed not fret. Let the redeemed not worry. Let the redeemed not get angry. Let the redeemed say so. I'm redeemed and praise the Lord for that. 
I've been redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and he will never have control of me again. Praise ought to be positive. Psalm 89, verse number one, says what we're going to sing about and what we ought to sing about constantly, continually. In Psalm, the 89th Psalm, and that very first verse of the 89th Psalm, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. Hey, what do you think about the state of our nation? And what do you think about the things that are going on? Well, I'm not in agreement with a lot of what's going on, but I'll still sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. And with my mouth, I'm going to make known the faithfulness of God to all generations. This is not an old people thing. It's not a middle-aged thing. It's not a young people thing. It's an all-generation thing. God is good and merciful to all of us when we call upon him. In Psalm chapter 145, verse number 10, the psalmist reminds us that all his works shall praise him. And thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. You know, the children of Israel in the wilderness would have, they would have done well to remember these things. As they crossed the Red Sea and they were having a hard time finding water, It would have been good for them to be reminded of the mercies of the Lord and sing about them. Yes, I know we haven't found water yet, but do you remember the mercy God displayed upon us when we were faced with the Red Sea in front of us and the army behind us and God said, go forward, and we did, and he parted the Red Sea. Why do you remember when we were in the land of Egypt and we had taskmasters that whipped us and and then they wouldn't even get the straw for us and we had to get it ourselves and they expected us to be just as uh, productive as we had been when they were doing that for us and when we weren't, they whipped us. And do you remember that those, uh, uh, those same Egyptians They commanded us to take all of our male offspring as soon as they were born. They were to be killed. But I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. I will sing. All of his works will praise him. And his saints shall bless him. Yeah, I'm a little bit thirsty. And yeah, we haven't found it as soon as I'd like to. But I want to tell you something. The Lord will not leave us or forsake us. But instead, what did the children of Israel do? Uh, Can you believe our leaders? And can you believe where they're taking us? And can you believe what's going on around us? I mean, Moses just keeps taking us and taking us and further and further away from water. And they began to murmur and they began to complain. You know, regardless of whether or not you like the characteristics of your leaders, we need to remember that God put them in place. 
and we need to sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. The world boasts about things that ought not be boasted about. Christians are often found complaining rather than complimenting godliness. In the 52nd Psalm here, the psalmist writes this, Psalm 52, verse number 1. This is what the world likes to brag about. Why boastest thou thyself in mischief, O mighty man? Uh, Some of the things that men like to brag about, how well they can keep their alcohol. Some things that men like to brag about is their conquests with women. Some things that the world likes to brag about is how they've obtained uh, some things and how they've climbed the corporate ladder. Why boastest thou thyself in mischief, O man? The goodness of God endureth continually. Here not too long ago, oh, when um, uh, there was actually a, a fight against uh, abortions and and, and things were kind of rolling along for the pro-lifers. And, and then the pro-abortionists, they said this, you need to, those of you women who have ever had an abortion, you need to post it on Facebook and you need to say how proud you are and how it, it has helped your life. And so they proudly did. We brag about mischief. The world boasts about sin. And is proud of it. Christian, we ought to be encouraged by the goodness of God. And not murmur and not complain. Who should make a joyful noise unto the Lord? Not just the preacher. Notice the Bible says all, all. Not just the preacher. Not just the Sunday school teachers. Not just the deacons. It should be everyone who we should all make known his goodness. We should all make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So positive. I guess we could also add presence. You ought to be present. And that's actually going to come up. Notice in verse number two, come before his presence. And so I guess if we want to praise the Lord properly and scripturally we have to be present in order to praise him we should all make known his goodness number two or letter r in verse number two there should be resolve in our praise verse number two serve the lord with gladness Come before his presence with singing. Notice it says with gladness. Well, what if I'm having a bad day? Unless you're having a bad day. Then serve the Lord with obnoxiousness. Or serve the Lord with negativity. Well, what if things aren't going my way? Oh, well, that's okay, too. If things aren't going your way, then you don't have to serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord uh, out of obligation. In case you haven't caught it, I'm being sarcastic. 
the Bible says, serve the Lord with gladness in such a tense that that's the only way in which we are to serve the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. That means without condition and without restriction. Many will serve the Lord with gladness if their conditions or personal beliefs are taken into account. But God's not interested in our personal beliefs. And God loves us without condition. Consider the meaning of the word serve. Serve the Lord. No matter who you serve, conditions are not always going to be optimal, but we ought always to serve with gladness, especially our God who never fails us. You know, some may love their country. Serving their country, however, may end up costing them. As a matter of fact, throughout our history, serving our nation has cost people. Some people, it's cost their lives. Other people have come back from war, and it has cost them limbs. And and many of them will say, unregrettably, I did what I ought to do, and I would do it again. Men and women have gladly, though fearfully, traveled the road of inconvenience because of the love that they have for their country. As parents, we gladly serve our kids. Now, I know we may not like the term servant, but I want to tell you, when our kids are infants, we serve, and we serve. And there's a lot of serving. I mean, we got to do everything for them, from wiping the slobber off their face to wiping other things that are not very pleasant. But as parents, we gladly serve our kids. We do it without condition because we love them. Gladly. Now, it doesn't mean that we always are excited about it. Sometimes in the middle of the night when that kid is crying, we may even be fighting over who's going to go gladly serve that kid. It's not to say it's always going to be easy. But it's our love that gets us up in the middle of the night. It's our love that allows us to serve God with gladness, without condition, Because he first loved us. Not only should it be done without a a condition, it should be done with full commitment. Serve the Lord with gladness, unconditionally. Come before his presence. That's full commitment. Come before his presence was a way of admonishing worshipers to come to God's house. Keep it in context. The Psalms were written to be sung in the temple, in the presence of the congregation, in the presence of God. So let's keep them in context. Come into his presence. They were challenging God's people. Come to the house of God. And the Jew understood that this was how you came into his presence. The worshiper's attitude toward God's house is exemplified in Psalms 122 and in verse number 1, where David writes, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. 
And I can remember not too many months ago when we decided, well, first we were going to have some outdoor services and how glad people were that we were actually going to have services after going weeks and weeks without a congregational service. And, and I can remember people being so ecstatic about it. And, man, we went outside and I and so many people saying, man, preacher, it, it, it's so good to be back in the house of the Lord. It's a reminder to us. That's the way it's supposed to be. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. The psalmist says, we are to exalt the Lord our God. In Psalm 99, verse number 9. In his presence, we should sing. It's full commitment. Coming, singing, serving, praising, worshiping. It's going to take resolve. None of it happens by accident. You've got to plan. You've got to purpose to be in the house of God regardless. I'm not going to let anything stop me. I am resolved that I'm going to serve. That brings us to number three. The letter A. P-R-A. <laughs> Accountability. Verse number three, one of the reasons for us to, to be in the presence and to have a local congregation is for accountability. Look at verse number three, know ye that the Lord, he is God. I'm not God. I don't set my own schedule. I don't determine what's good for me, what's bad for me. He is God and he determines those things. And whether I like it or not, and because I'm in the flesh, there's many times I don't like what God has for me. Just like when I was a kid, I loved my parents, but I didn't always like what my parents had for me. Sometimes my mom had to literally cram medicine down my throat. I don't know what it was. Today, kids, you have no idea how fortunate you are. Lots of medicine actually tastes decent now. When I was a kid, it was like on purpose. They made it taste as bad as they could. There was no such thing as, you know, chewable, gummy medicine. I mean, it was all bad. It was all rotten, usually in the form of a liquid that as soon as it touched your tongue, you threw everything up. It was it was horrible. I can remember on numerous occasions being sick and mom having either just a, a, a little cup or something. You need to drink this. And uh, you would fake drink it. No, you need to drink it. Drink all of it. And uh, I, I can remember it just literally saying, I can't. There's just no way I can get this down my throat. Drink it now. Spank me all you want. I can't drink this. And I can remember her putting me down on the couch and pinning me down and, and plugging my nose. And I know you already know what, how bad of a kid I was, so I'm not revealing anything to you. Plugging my nose, and I'd be covering my mouth until I, I had to breathe, and oh, there it went, down my throat. Awful stuff. 
And, you know, at the time, I just thought she was being mean. Now, she enjoyed it. <laughs> but she also had to do it. <laughs> and I think she was glad she had to do it. But nonetheless, we don't always like what God has for us. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And sometimes it cuts us. Sometimes it's medicinal, but it doesn't taste very good. It's very bitter. We like the results, but we don't always like the taste. We need to remember who God is. He is the Lord. He's the commander. The literal translation here is, Know ye that Jehovah is Elohim, meaning that the one named outranks all others. That's the, the, the literal meaning of that phrase there. The one named outranks all others. Our relationship with him is not to be a casual one. We should understand it is to be with all reverence. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He is the one who outranks all others. And this is why God's word says in Psalm 111 and in verse number 10, Psalm 111 and verse number 10, since we're already in the book of Psalms, we'll just look at this one. Psalm 111, verse number 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. Psalm 99.1 says, The Lord reigneth, let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubims, let the earth be moved. Peter writes, If ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. He is the commander. Not only that, but we read that he is the creator. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It's he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So we were created for him, not him for us. We have this idea that God's there for us. Actually, the truth be known, we're supposed to be here for God. That's how we were created. Thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. It's supposed to be we who are here for God. We were created by him, not him by us. Evolution and humanism would have you to believe that God came about as a result of man's need to believe in a higher being for hope. Thus, we created him. Therefore, according to man's philosophy, God's whatever and wherever you wish him to be. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians bring that into Christianity. He's wherever I want him to be. He's whatever I want him to be. Romans 9.20 says, Who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed, that's us, say to him that formed it, that's God, why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay 
Who are we to question the God who created us? We are accountable to him. And just because we may not like it doesn't make us any less accountable. We need to remember who we are. The worshipers, not the items being worshipped. We are possessions, not owners. First Corinthians reminds us that we're to glorify God in our body and in our spirit because they are God's. First Corinthians 7, we are bought with the price. Therefore, we are not to be servants of men, including ourselves. We're servants to God. We are the sheep and not the shepherds. It's he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, his possession. We are the sheep of the pasture. God knows what's best even if we have no understanding or comprehension. Isaiah 55 verse number 8. The prophet reminds us that God's thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways God's ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's ways higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. There's no way the sheep can possibly understand everything the shepherd expects from them. Which is why sometimes we just have to obey even if we don't understand. Because we are accountable. We're accountable to him as his people, as his sheep, as his creation. We are accountable. Well, that brings us to number four, or the letter I. Found in verse number four, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. I can only be indebtedness. My, when we praise God and when we worship God, we come to him as debtors. And we ought to be thankful that he paid the price. He's accomplished great things for us, and we have so much to be thankful for. I already said that God's people ought to be the most positive people on earth. God's people ought also to be the most thankful people on earth. Regardless of what we have or what we don't have, we know this, we have salvation. We have eternity. We have a God who loves us, a God who will never leave us or forsake us. We have a God who gave himself for us. We have a God who doesn't say, go. We have a God who says, come and set the example for us here in his love. Not that we loved him. And so we don't have a God who's paying us back for our, uh, our uh, unconditional loyalty. We have a God who loves us despite the fact we're very unloyal to him and that we fell short of his glory. We have so much to be thankful for. Isaiah 55 verse number 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and God will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Man, aren't you glad that God doesn't just pardon, he, ab 
abundantly pardons. He abundantly saves. And he has an abundance of mercy. I need it every day. God's accomplishments were not for God. They were for me. Jesus came to earth and did not want to be crowned king so that he could have the glory of overcoming the Romans. No, Jesus came and left us an example by serving, by ministering, and then becoming obedient even to the death of the cross. And it all benefits us. We should be among the most thankful people on this planet. We've so much to be thankful for. And among those things are found in verse number five, which will be number five. The very first part of that, the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. You know what that provides for us? Security. Security. His love and his mercy everlasting. And then I want you to notice the last one. And we come to the letter E. So P-R-A, P is positive. R is resolve. A, accountability. I, indebtedness. S, security. And E is enduring. Notice that his truth doesn't change with the times. You know, it's so hard today to know. Man, can I say this? Because 20 years ago I could. Can I refer to the postman as the postman? Because 20 years ago I could. Can I refer to a hymn book as a hymn book? Or am I supposed to call it a person book? Can I refer to humanity as humanity? Or is it hupersonity? Because things change and continue to change. Well, that might have been fact years ago. 1970s in elementary. We're headed for an ice age. Just prepare for it, because we are going to have to live through another ice age. That never came to pass, because now it's global warming, and the seas are going to rise. I find it amazing that the proponents of global warming will still buy mansions along the ocean. I don't get that. They're the ones that say, oh, it's all going to be underwater. Well, why are they buying them? I'll be honest with you. I don't think they believe it themselves. But nonetheless, we do know that there's climate change. I mean, we can see that in the Bible. Things change. Climates have changed. Israel is no longer... (laughs) The land that flows with milk and honey. I believe it will be again one day, but it certainly isn't today. It's barren. The Sea of Galilee keeps shrinking. So does the Dead Sea. I mean, 
Things have changed. Things will change. Things change drastically after the flood. Pre-flood earth is a completely different world than post-flood earth. Things certainly do change. But you know what? God's truth doesn't change. It endures forever. Science textbooks have to be rewritten constantly. Why, the rules for the pandemic have changed daily. Remember at the very beginning. Uh, and I was tempted to just to go to all the, uh, show all the video clips of all the uh, scientists, including Fauci himself. Don't wear a mask. It's pointless. Don't wear a mask. To now wear a mask. I even heard someone the other day say, you know, you ought to wear two masks. Follow the science, they say. I'd love to follow the science. What is it today? Please, someone help me. Um, I do know this. Regardless of how right or how wrong we are about the so-called science, God, his truth endures forever. I know this, that no matter what we call it, only women will be able to have children. And only men will be able to produce the seed for those children. That's the way that God created it. God created the male and female. And for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. I don't know what happens to all those other genders, but I do know this. A man marries a woman, and they twain are one flesh. God's truth endures forever. And as we praise God, we can be thankful that God doesn't say eight months ago, ten months ago, well, you have to uh, trust on the Lord and, and thou shalt be saved. And then midway say, well, wait, you know what? Um, I was wrong on that one. I'm sorry, but we've had several people who did that and they went to hell. So it, it goes like this now. You have to, you have, to uh, have faith and go to church. And then 20 months later, you know what? Erase what I said. Because we've had a few people do that and they went to hell too. So, so we need to add baptism to the scenario. Yes, that's what it is. Faith in Jesus Christ and baptism and go to church and you'll go to heaven. Aren't you glad that it's always been the same from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation and God has not failed yet? I'm so glad that when the Messiah came, he didn't have to say, well, you know what? We got to change the rules midstream here. He had it all planned out and it worked exactly according to the prophecies. And by the way, you know, the impossibility of that happening without it being the actual Messiah fulfilling all those prophecies. It's an amazing statistic, mathematically impossible. And yet, 
God did it because his truth endures forever. God's truth does not change because times change. Neither should our praise change because times have changed. It's important that one become a worshiper of God because only true worshipers of God have true access to God. Take your Bible, turn to John 9, and we'll close with this. John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Verse number 31. John chapter 9, verse number 31. Says, Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Why is it so important that I implement all these into my praise and worship? Why can't I just do it on my own and do it my own way? Well, because God's pretty emphatic that if any man be a worshiper of God, by the way, a biblical worshiper, and doeth his will, whose will? God's will. Not my will, not whatever I want. God's will, doeth his will. Him, he heareth. Oh yeah, it is important that we line up with this book in order to be in the will of God. And aren't you thankful that his book doesn't change? Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed with every head bowed and with every eye closed.